what on earth? What's up? Okay, just let me know when you want to start the show. I'm I'm ready whenever. Okay, so I was I was looking at Tech Meme and I've apparently found the uh a wireless antenna and radio manufacturer with the absolute best name in the world. What's that? Uh, I just sent you a link in the Slack. Uh this is Ooh, Mimosa Networks. That is an amazing tremendous bravo. They, they have a pretty good logo too. They do. For some reason, that logo just seems like something you would like. Yeah, it's not like stodgy like D-Link or, you know. Uh, you know, Linksys kind of had that classic look. They did. They had an old kind of retro, like, this is a box that, you know, it should sit there and it's not supposed to be pretty, but it gets the job done. You know, the W old, uh, or the, the old WRT54G. Oh, yeah. That thing came out 11 years ago. Yeah, I set up set up a lot of those in my home networking days. When you walk around and you, uh, you're you just like in the neighborhood, you don't see many uh, Linksys with the unsecured password anymore. That's That seems to have gone away. That's a good point. I was over at a friend's housewarming party this last weekend, and we they were actually uh, putting Pandora up on the TV, and uh, they were trying to get it to work from their iPad. So I, you know, of course, being the default tech nerd of most groups, I was uh, sprung into action to try to figure this out. And so I, you know, connected to the, the Wi-Fi. And you could see a lot of different networks. This was in an apartment complex. And I, I noticed that same thing where you could see do, at least a dozen, maybe more networks. And there, you don't really see any unsecured ones anymore with just the default name. So is that because, pe- uh, because people have gotten better and they're aware of the security? Or is it that they've, uh, like router manufacturers have made them kind of like idiot proof into the sense that like it's impossible to leave it unsecured without going through a bunch of hoops? I think it's more of the latter. Um, it's been a little while since I've been in the the networking setup space, but I I want to say that newer routers now actually come with unique SSIDs and unique passwords right out of the box, and they're just like printed on the instruction manual. Oh, that make that makes a lot of sense. Which is one of those things that you look back on now and think, why wasn't that being done a decade ago? Do you remember? The, I, I don't know if you were a malicious person back in the day, but do you remember back in the old days where you could <laughs> you could connect and um, you would you would open up that Linksys uh, or you'd connect to that the open unsecured Linksys network and you could always go to one nine two dot one six eight dot one dot one and the password was always admin admin. I I'm not familiar with what you're talking about. Come on. Yeah, I I never I, I never did anything, but you could always see. Well, you know, in a in a moment of desperation, perhaps if you just had to download something or go to a website, um, there there may have been an occasion where I uh, utilized that little bit of knowledge. If I, I mean, if I knew what you were talking about. Well, wait. So, what what was your opinion on the ethics of using unprotected Wi-Fi back in the day? You know, I actually never really thought much about the. I don't know. Ethics wouldn't be the way that I would look at it. I actually was always concerned about security. I, I never liked the idea of connecting to a network that I wasn't familiar with, just for my own sake. Neither do I. So, I mean, I, I'm of the opinion. So, you'd always hear, I, I'm not sure if it's that common today, but back in the old days, uh, people would like, they're, like people who were too cheap to get internet would try to steal their neighbor's Wi Fi like full time. That I was always extremely opposed to. But like if you're out and about before cellular data service was good and you needed to hop online, I was never super uh, outraged by people who disconnected to, you know, 
your uh, Netgear and all caps or your uh, Linksys routers? Well, you know, one of the ways to actually have your network be secure from neighbors is to use N networking as opposed to like G. Are you, do you use N at home? <laughs> no, I'm stuck on, well, of course I do. Oh, so also... What what, what about 802.11n makes it more secure? You know Is what? Is it encrypted by default? Well, I'm, I'm actually going to be making a joke here, but um, you're kind of ruining the setup. But it's actually, no, I'm, I'm ruining the setup too. It's actually not N I'm really thinking about. It's it's the 5 gigahertz frequency as opposed to 2.4. So I use I use that for my primary network, my primary wireless at home. And, you know, the knock against 5 gigahertz is that the range is much more limited. Yeah, but you live in a studio. Or, I mean, and I live in a one-bedroom. I'm not hurting for range. Right, but I noticed that I'm, I'm pretty good friends with uh, two, other, two of the other people here on the floor. And so occasionally, um, you know, I'll, I'll go over to their units and I actually can't see my network from, <laughs> their, from their units. Just across the hall. So... <laughs> Little backdoor security tip. Just use. I guess it's the it's the five gigahertz component, not the not the N. That so do you, uh, makes do the you range. Broad, uh, so you're an, you're an Apple uh, router user, right? Yeah, I have a Airport Extreme here on the desk. You have the old generation one, the one that looks like the one that looks like a Mac Mini, not the one that looks like a like loaf of bread. It pains me to to have you call it the old generation, but yeah, yes, I suppose. Well, no, that's I, true. I've got the old Gen one, which is it's been chugging along for like five years. It's it's a champ. Um, yeah, yeah, I've had I've had mine I've had mine for a couple years and yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah. Um, do you do the simultaneous five gigahertz and two point four gigahertz broadcasts so that older legacy devices don't slow down the end network? It's been a while since I've gone in and looked at my wireless settings. I don't even think I could tell you. Okay. I'm not really sure that even all of my devices just have five gigahertz though, or have five gigahertz. Like I don't, I'm not hundred percent sure like the iPad air does. iPad air definitely has 802.11n, which I believe at least with Apple stuff implies that it is five gigahertz capable. Uh, uh, maybe, but then I also have other devices like the, uh, Nintendo 3ds, which I for sure doesn't have five gigahertz wireless. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure like my Kindle doesn't have five gigahertz wireless. So yeah, I guess I, I must not have just five gigahertz enabled because otherwise these other devices wouldn't work. Well, no, what I'm saying is that, so, uh, the Apple devices allow you to simultaneously broadcast two separate networks because the thing is, if you do enable five gigahertz, but you don't separate it, once a 2.4 gigahertz device joins in, I'm pretty sure that reduces the throughput and the speed and it puts into like a compatibility mode mm. do, do these that could be totally made up but i don't know do these two networks have to have different ssids they do so on mine i have my primary five gigahertz network called cupertino and that one <laughs> is shut up and, and that's where for all the laptops and like the good devices and then kind of the shoddy uh older devices um live on palo alto oh i thought i thought you were gonna say like redmond no 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 that seems like a missed opportunity. No, no, I've got Silicon Valley cities. What? Well, so, what's the deal with Palo Alto? Why does it? Why does it get the second-rate wireless devices? You know, Cupertino. It's the, it's the mothership. Well, yeah, but Palo Alto generally has a reputation of being a nice community. So, I'm not really sure I I get the reference. I don't know. It's just a neighboring city. I really. I what still, are your networks called? Ah, let's not get into that. What you, is it? You wouldn't. You wouldn't even get it. 
Exp- okay, now you have to say it. Well, so my my I I change my wireless networking name every once in a while. Why? Um, primary, usually because it's just based on kind of what I'm into at the time. So <laughs> so it's called Sugar Ray. Okay. It, well, I mean, if if I had wireless networking when I was younger, probably yes. But so I for for quite a while my wireless name was uh, Sterling Cooper, and then it became Sterling Cooper Draper Price. Fans of Mad Men will know what I'm talking about. And then anybody who knows that exists will know what you're talking about. Well, maybe. And then more recently, um, it's become Westeros, which is the uh, name of the fictional world in Game of Thrones. So that's why I said you wouldn't appreciate it because you know you don't like that show, which is a travesty. But yeah. besides, no, the I don't. Point, I don't have any feelings against it. It's just it doesn't seem like the kind of show I would enjoy. Yeah. Just like Walking Dead, I'm sure it's a very good show, but you know, just not for me. But I don't like. To, I'm. I'm not. I don't make judgments against it. You're open minded. Yeah, like I like. There are certain shows that I will judge, and I'll be like, no, that that's just bad, and nobody should enjoy it. But no, it's just, it's not for me. But yeah. Well, anyway, I, I still think you're missing a huge opportunity by not having that second network being called Redmond, mm-hmm. just because y- you, you know, of your dislike for Microsoft. I don't know. I think I think I like Microsoft much more than you. I have much. I have a much greater dislike or skepticism for uh, your Samsungs and your Googles. Hmm. Yeah. Do you have any specific rules for naming computers or? Um, you know, so I know I'll let you share yours in a minute and uh, yours is very creative and I like it a lot. Do I, wait, what, what, what? You do do the coffee names, don't you? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. I like, and I like that a lot. Um, I, I'm just not very creative. So no, I don't. Oh, okay. My, my, <laughs> my iPhone is, I think, literally called like Ryan's iPhone. And what's, what's, what's the Mac mini here called? Um, how do I, how do I find that out? I go to settings. Where, where do I go? Um, I click the little Apple button. I thought I would click on about this Mac, but then that doesn't show me anything. Um, I go to, I don't even know where to go. I don't know how to see the name of my computer. I don't know how to use computers anymore. Do you think, you think this is what the people tune in for, you think? Are you, are you still trying to find it? Oh, whoops, I was on mute that whole time. I'm like, eh, can't hear me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so in that sense, so how you, <laughs> we'll cut all that out. Oh, no, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll call this so out. So how, how you find the name of your Mac, you, cl- you go to System Preferences, and then you t- uh, you click on Sharing, and it'll uh, show you. So you go, I'm sorry, you go to System Preferences, mm-hmm. and you go to where? Uh, sharing. Sharing. Where's Sharing. Uh, I'm, oh, I see sharing. Here we go. Yeah, my computer's name is called Ryan's Mac Mini. <laughs> Very creative. Yeah, yeah. And when you asked, what uh, is this what people tune in for? I said, yes, it's just like call for help with Leo. I don't remember if you remember that. I do, yeah. My um, my Drobo is called um, Databot, which I like. I'm not really sure where I got that, but... Because the company that makes it's called Data Robotics? Yeah, probably. May- maybe. You know, I, uh-huh. I, I need to I need to talk to you. Maybe we'll do this on the show as a topic. I'm not 100% sure I have my Drobo set up correctly. He's got, well, you got to get first get rid of the Drobo. Oh, the, just quiet. I just, I think I think I might be able to, I don't know. I, I'm going to be redoing a lot of things when um, Yosemite comes out. 
Did you listen to the most recent talk show? I am eh, maybe about 45 minutes in. Okay, listen to the whole thing, uh, okay. entire thing. It's a very, very good episode. I, I very much enjoy Guy Ritchie. <laughs> Guy Ritchie? Oh, that's not that's the actor. Yes. Guy English. Wow. Yes. I think I just blocked out. <laughs> Jeez. We'll, we'll, cu- we'll cut this part out, too. All right, we got to regroup. We got to get this whole thing. Yeah. Hey, Carlos, how's it going? How's it going? Big week. So, HBO Go. Yeah. Um, so, that's the biggest story of the week, right? I mean, or the it, most if, interesting one, I think. If we don't want to give another Giants update. Uh, we'll, do, we'll wrap up the show with that. Oh, started it last week with baseball. We'll end this week's show with baseball. Yeah. Um, double under. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> or a double header. I don't know. Uh, it's a double header is what you're thinking of. A hat trick. A, a back-to-back. Hmm. A safety. <laughs> oh, is that, is that, that might be. Term? Oh, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure a safety is a football term. I think, anyway. you, I think you might be thinking of a free throw. So HBO Go. Um, yes. H- HBO Unbundled or whatever the hell they're going to call it. Well, okay. Oh, so that's a good free name. All right. <laughs> they, they, you can, they can run with that. You're just an idea guy. So <laughs> One episode sponsor. One of the things... Um, okay, well, actually, before... We, well, no, let's just... This is this funny little bit out of the way first. So... Uh, in this description today about um, HBO saying that they wanted to do this standalone service, a lot of people latched onto the phrase over the top because they used HBO used in the context of over the top service, which, you know, could have been used as like a funny adjective. But it turns out that over the top is actually a broadcasting industry term referring to the delivery of video outside of traditional cable means. So a lot of people missed that and kind of misinterpreted that part of the uh, press release today or or earnings call wherever this thing came out on. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that that's that's not the most important part of the story. Tell people tell people what's actually really important here. Um, as a lot of people have been clamoring for, although I'm not sure how important it actually is. Um, it looks like Time Warner's uh, HBO property is going to explore the idea of releasing a standalone streaming product that's unbundled from the traditional cable model uh, within the next year or so. So why why do you say this is potentially not very important? Uh, well, I just don't think people care that much. Like, I honestly, I don't think I've ever met anybody or heard anybody's opinion that says they're keeping cable only for HBO. Like, I don't want to ad- uh, advise people, like, break the law, but I-, I think these people, like, if somebody really only wanted to watch, like, two HBO shows, that they would just pirate them. I don't know anybody who's keeping their entire entire cable package just to pay $20 a month for HBO. So yeah. I don't think the audience of people that this is going to serve is really that big. I think this is a way for HBO to, because, I mean, cord cutting will eventually happen because there's a lot of people who care about sports like me and you. But a lot of people will probably eventually ditch their cable packages as more content goes online. And I think whatever HBO does is going to morph much more into a Netflix-type competitor rather than just being HBO shows on demand. Yeah, speaking of, did you see Netflix's after-hours earnings today? I did. Not that, I mean, not that this is a earnings show, but yeah. Down, down 100 bucks a share, like 26%. Hard to say how much of that is the HBO thing, though, because the HBO news no, came out. None of it, right? Because the HBO news came out first thing this morning, and the stock was only down less than a percent during trading hours. But then after earnings, that's where it plummeted. 
anyway. So not, that, not, not to move totally off the topic, but no, Netflix missed um, their subscriber numbers. But I think it also – I maybe I, I would be hopeful that people who were selling on the news were thinking broader about what this announcement means and that this isn't just going to be what you'd find on HBO. They're going to be, I would say, marketing a premium-type Netflix service. Except they're just already really good at making premium TV, whereas Netflix is just getting started. Yeah, so you, so you're you're skeptical for I think a good reason. Um, I I'm skeptical though for a couple of different reasons. Um, one is because you know I, I think what people have in their heads, like let, let's take for a minute the kind of make the assumption that people are actually really excited about this. I actually think your point about people who want HBO already having HBO through their cable service is is a good one. But assume for a minute there is like this huge group of people out there who actually would cut their cable service if they could just get HBO standalone, even if you assume that's true. I don't think that we're going to get some $20 a month service that's just going to be access to the entire HBO catalog, including current shows and that's not worthwhile no and it's because just a bad value compared to, compared to netflix right and the, the, well but I'm, what i'm saying is i don't even think that service would be 20 dollars. i think it would be more than that because if you're a cable subscriber today you you pay 20 dollars to get hbo and that's with the basically subsidy you're getting from your cable provider so mm, i think that no. if the service does end up coming out and basically offering everything that hbo go offers today i think it's going to be pretty expensive i disagree no i would say it's quite it's the opposite whereas the hbo does not get the entire 21 dollars or whatever hbo actually costs it's a fairly high margin item which is why their relationship with the cable providers has been so lucrative and which is why they've been so reticent to shy away from that so i think once they work out the middleman it would actually be more price competitive. I think it would still be a solid $15 a month. I just think as a value compared to Netflix, it's not that compelling a property. I don't well, know. I guess but well, I, I don't think it'd be more expensive. There's no hmm. way they could sell it for $30 a month. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah, that's, um, because that's a good the thing point. Is, it's not ownership. You're not like, it's not like you're buying a season pass for the show. It's kind of, it's an ephemeral thing. Like it, content will probably go away after a while. Just like Netflix. That was a big word. I'm eating dictionaries for breakfast, man. <laughs> Show title. Um, well, so then the other thing that I was thinking about that might limit how excited people get about this or how prevalent this could be, and that I, I'm, I admit that I'm stealing this idea from Tom Merritt, who posted this on Twitter today. He threw out the idea that this may actually only end up being available to people who have a compatible internet subscription. So it might it might be, hey, you can't just basically cut all cords and just like use this over LTE or something. Or well, you maybe couldn't do that due to data caps. True, but or maybe you know you have some kind of third party no name ISP for your internet service you may actually only be able to subscribe to this new HBO Go service if you have a, you know, partnering uh, internet provider, which presumably also provides television service. That might be one of the ways that HBO can go out and do this without totally alienating their cable partners. I don't think that's really 
a big point of contention because who, what, HBO is not choosy about who they partner with. I don't know if even like even smaller regional cable companies, like I think even Google Fiber that's in like two markets has access to HBO. So I, I honestly, because we already know that this will be limited by country. Like this doesn't mean they're going to sell immediately to the entire world just because there are so many licensing rights issues. So I don't, I'm, I'm not totally certain that's going to be a thing. Well, okay. So, so assuming that your two counterpoints are true, and I think they're both good points. I mean, how how is HBO completely not just pissing off their current partners? But they're not, because again, it goes back to my whole point, which is I don't think this is going to gain that much traction because there aren't because HBO already offers current subscribers who who have a video subscription through their cable provider. An extremely full featured and quote unquote free streaming option. Like 10 years ago, if you're an HBO subscriber, you got for the same amount of money, you just got like four channels of HBO and standard def. Now you get high definition over your video subscription and you get access to all this back catalog stuff over the internet anywhere for the same amount of money. So I don't think there's a large number of people who, again, are going to suddenly abandon their video subscription just because they can pay for this a la carte. So why do you think this was such big news today? Is this just another echo chamber thing? Because who are these people? Because this is another thing. Like, (sighs) How many subscriptions are you willing to have active at once? Because let's say uh, ESPN goes a la carte, and so does Fox Sports, and so does AMC, and then you have your Netflix and you have your HBO. How many subscriptions are you willing to to take on? And at what point does it exceed the cost of a traditional cable package, which is already, as we've talked about a couple episodes ago, a pretty decent value? Yeah, I think that's... Like, it just sounds like a kind of a shitty deal after a while. Yeah, I think that's spot on. I'm, I'm in general just not really clear on why this was such a big story today. It's just not because the thing is, it's not like if every this would be a big story if HBO and Showtime and ESPN, like everybody's like, you know what, we make we make a four ninety nine uh, a month subscription, which is not feasible at all. But let's say you could pick the eight channels you really like, like you'd have your HBO and your Comedy Central and all these subscriptions, and it added up to being like forty dollars a month, which let's say that's twenty or thirty dollars cheaper than a standard cable package. I can see where that might be the case, but it's not going to be that cheap. Like Netflix right now, what's the the price they charge to non like grandfathered customers? It's like ten bucks. Yeah, I think I think I want to say it's like ten ninety nine. Like that's already a crazy value, and I think like Netflix on most of their licensing, they they lost money for an extremely long period of time. I, I think they just recently became profitable on their U.S. operations. I. I it's going to be way more expensive than people think. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think the point that continues to get missed by all these people who think that these internet-based services, these kind of debundled services from traditional cable TV are the next big thing, they're forgetting that the same companies who control your TV also usually control your internet. And, you know, one of the things that they do is if you... Like if you were to call Comcast tomorrow and you were to cancel just your TV service and hold on to just the internet part and then think that you can go out 
and buy a couple different services and just use those for all your video content, you know, number one, the price of your internet goes through the roof. You're getting a huge discount by having both TV and internet. And then two, like you were just saying, you add a couple of these services together and all of a sudden that's 30, 40 bucks a month. So between your cable company being able to jack up your internet rate by canceling your TV service and by adding the cost of these additional services, I don't really even see how you come out at paying less per month and the end results, probably you having much less access to video content, particularly like sports content, like we were talking about last week than you would if you just had traditional cable TV. Exactly. And then let's say everybody does cut the cord because these services are artificially cheap to begin with. Then what's going to happen? Bandwidth caps. Exactly. Or, or also people seem to not understand. Like remember when um, the Apple keynote came out? Uh, the one for the uh, Apple Watch and the iPhone 6? Yes. Do you remember what a colossal mess that was? I do. Our internet infrastructure is not ready for f- however many millions of people to watch the same thing at once. Like, remember when, like, wasn't Game of Thrones on HBO Go, like, the fourth season premiere or something? Like, the whole service just crapped out for eight hours? It's happened a couple times. It's happened with Game of Thrones on both premieres and finales, and it happened most recently with the uh, True Detective finale. And the thing is, HBO has really been on top of their stuff, and there's just only so much capacity and so much work you can do with CDNs to make this viable. You know, even, like yeah. totally on-demand video for millions of people at a time is a long ways off, even if we don't even consider bandwidth caps. Well, I think you can even put the technical hurdles aside, which I think are real, but even just the business realities like we were talking about a minute ago, you bring up a good point with the data caps. There's no scenario where, you know, we can continue to debundle these channels and services from traditional TV packages where these same cable companies don't still have the same control. Because even if you, even if you assume that we clear a bunch of the technical hurdles for people to use these, you know, video services and all of a sudden the variety of the video services come out, they're at a reasonable price. You know, they all of a sudden include things like playoff sports, et cetera, all the things that are missing today. These same cable providers could always pump the brakes on all that stuff by simply putting in hard caps. And that would basically put the, the stop on all this stuff. So technical business, however you want to think about this, the cable companies that everybody's clamoring to get away from also control the means by which all of this traditional TV stuff would be delivered in this new uh, IPTV world or whatever people are thinking this would be. And also, again, I think I already said this, but who who owns HBO? I believe that is uh, Time Warner. Mm-hmm. I believe they're also a uh, cable provider, are they not? Mm-hmm. I believe they're um, trying to be... Merging with Cable Town? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just, <laughs> you know, I think... I think people's excitement over some of this stuff, like I actually, you know, when I was listening back to last week's show and I was thinking a little bit more about people getting excited about that little blurb about ESPN showing games online, NBA games online without having to have a TV subscription. I'm starting just to really think about why any of this is exciting at all, because like, it would be one thing if there were a totally different set of companies that didn't have any 
stake in the the kind of the existing cable TV world or uh, content world, like if they were some neutral third parties that just did internet, if we were shifting towards those types of companies, I think that would be a different thing. But there, forget what's the, there's a quote in some Coldplay song that's, ah, oh. I, I got to look this up. Um, that's kind of a weird transition I'm realizing now. It really is. Uh, I, you, you start talking. I'm going to look this up. Can we talk about how, wait. Are you trying to prove a point about? I am. Well, I, hold on. I, consolidation I'm actually by using Coldplay lyrics. I yeah, I am. Um, I I need to I need to find these I need to find these lyrics. I, it's a it's a good it's a good line that I'm thinking of that I think summarizes what I'm trying to get at here. Um, I'm I'm, I'm just trying trying to kill some time here. All right. Um, but again, I'll I'll just reiterate your point, which which is there's a lot of people who. I think have really sound and smart opinions on this type of thing who seem to be thinking that this is the first step in the death of cable, which I really don't think. It okay. Is. I, I found this here. There okay. So the, 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 the line I'm thinking of here, I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to say it here, but it's, it's listen as the crowd would sing. Now the old King is dead. Long live the King. See what I'm saying there? Like, I think people think that by, getting rid of these channels or making them available just through your internet is like getting rid of this tyrannical king. But usually when you overthrow one king, what do you end up with? Basically a king that's just as bad, if not worse. And in this case, it's literally exactly the same king because it's the exact same cable company. Exactly. Yeah, see, that, that was worth the wait there, right? I, I'm, People I'm, think I'm too negative on this show, so I'm just gonna. I'm, I'm gonna edit you I'm saying in yes there. I think I should. Just, I should try doing that. Anyway. Okay. All right. What's next? I have no idea. That that was my only uh, big story of the week. Yeah, that was that was a pretty big one. Um, well, actually, no. Hold on. Um, where's my podcast idea thing? Um, have you seen this? Um, this Google Shopping Express thing. I've seen a bunch of these cars around San Francisco. So I, there's not like there's not a whole lot of news here, except it looks like they've formalized this more into a more mass market product rather than just being an exclusively San Francisco and I think one other city thing. Um, but it's kind of it's supposed to be Google's attempt at like a real life Amazon Prime, which I don't understand. I'm not totally sure who needs that, but. I just want to know if you had any opinions on it. So basically the pitch here is it's going to be 10 bucks a month, 95 bucks a year, and you're going to be able to get, I believe it's all same day delivery, no? Same day delivery inside San Francisco, next day delivery for most of Northern California. Got it. Okay. And it looks like they're looking to expand into a bunch of other cities, Chicago, Boston, DC, etc. And yeah, basically you're going to get same day or next day delivery from... A variety of sort of well-known retailers. So I'm looking at the list here. There's like Target, Sports Authority, uh, Fries, Whole Foods. You kind of you know just the Bar- Barnes and Noble. I thought Peninsula hmm. Beauty. I thought Barnes and Noble didn't have physical locations anymore. They do. No, that's oh. Borders. Oh, okay. But, but I do like. Th- also, they have Costco, which apparently you can get without a Costco subscription. It's kind of neat. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, this seems 
I don't know, it seems kind of cool. There, there really aren't many cases where I want to buy something online that I absolutely have to have that same day or really even the next day. Usually the two day shipping on Prime works fine for me. Well, but I think this is more for goods that you wouldn't purchase on Prime. Like stuff that you'd get from Whole Foods or Target or Costco are generally not things you're buying off Amazon. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I do, um, I, I'm giving you a lot of credit this week. I've been telling you you've been making good points a lot. That's not like me. I feel I'm just glad I'm not sick anymore, I guess. <laughs> You're the cold-hearted boss. <laughs> so, but I guess what I'm asking is, is this something that you would use? Because I'm thinking about trying it, but I guess like just because like I, I have an automobile, like I don't see how this is really that much more convenient. Yeah, what I, what I was going to say is that... I, 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 with all these services, I, I think the same way about Amazon Fresh, which is their same day grocery delivery service. For somebody like me, I'm single, I live alone, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm frequently not even home for dinner. For somebody like me, it, it, a service like this makes absolutely no sense. But I totally get if you're married, a few, couple of kids, you know, you're cooking dinner at home on a regular basis, or you're just in general running a home for multiple people. You're busy with work. I, I, I and you live particularly if you live in a, a city like San Francisco, where you know going to somewhere like a Target or a Costco is not a trivial task. Um, I actually totally get the value in in, in a service like this. Hmm. I'm thinking of trying it. Because you get three months for free, why not? Yeah, I'd be interested to say you. I don't mean this in a negative way, but you don't. You also don't really strike me as someone who would be much in the need of a service like this. Not at all. But I don't know. Like some, I don't know. It just it seems like it'd be something neat to try. But yeah, it's it doesn't add a lot of value for somebody. I don't know. I certainly do. I do like the idea of any service that makes it so that I don't ever have to go to a store physically. And also like the fact that you can shop across multiple stores and just have one delivery. That's pretty neat. I don't know. Maybe I'll report back. Maybe that'll be my little beta test. And it's nice that it's being backed, you know, by Google, right? There are some other services. Um, you know, your friend Merlin Mann's actually told a story mm. of uh, on Back to Work about how he tried to use one of these, I don't the kind of, <laughs> let's just say companies that are not Google who offer similar type of services and uh, the experience was uh, less than ideal. Yeah, but he's somebody who uh, who uses Amazon Prime for paper towels. I, if I if I had a family, I w- I would probably use Amazon Prime for paper towels too. That's the, like honestly, like I, I am not an environmentalist at all. Like I'm quite the opposite. <laughs> but have, having paper towels second day delivered by air in a cardboard <laughs> that seems like the most. That's actually something I would do too. I use like, a, I actually use a lot of paper towels. No, I love paper towels, but in. in that just seems so wasteful. I see what you're saying, but it's it's very convenient. Okay. Hmm. Anyway, you know, so I, I'll probably try it and I'll probably report back and see if it's any good. I totally, you know what? I had forgotten that Amazon was also making a bit of a push for same-day deliveries. Because I, I, when I ever have things shipped, because I don't really have any means of opening the lobby door here in my building if I'm, if I'm not here, 
I have most items shipped to my office, which is over in the East Bay. And so I always just get the standard two-day shipping. And that's you know the only other option I really have through Prime is to spend the, what, $3.99 to get next-day shipping. But I, I was working from home a couple of weeks ago, and I was having something delivered from Amazon. Like I ordered it knowing that I would be at home two days you know later. And there, there was actually the option to, because I switched it to my San Francisco address, there was the option to, to have same-day delivery. For the uh, same $4? It... No, I think it was more than that. I, th- I think it was like maybe six or seven dollars, but that, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, again, I there are very few scenarios where I think I'd be willing to pay that additional money to have something same day, just because the stuff I'm buying from Amazon doesn't usually have that type of um, uh, importance urgency. to it. Urgency. There's the word. But what would? Because if I need it right then. Like, because same day delivery be, still means probably like a six or eight hour delay. I think it'd be Which, more like the the grocery example where maybe the evening before you're sitting at home, you know, you need to do grocery shopping for the family. So you, you know, you sit there on your tablet or your computer, you put in your list, you set up delivery for the next day. Mm-hmm. I could see that being, I can see that being very convenient for the right type of person. Perhaps. And I think and this this whole concept of like next day or same day delivery really is kind of just like the natural next step for all of these online retailers, right? Because they're they're constantly trying to find ways to improve upon the experience versus shopping in a physical store. And obviously the huge kind of advantage that physical stores have had for a while is that you can walk in, you can actually leave with what you want instantly. And so this is a way of kind of combating that case people have against shopping online. Yeah. Well, there you go. There I'll you go. Shot and let, know, let you know how it goes. Yeah. Re- re- refer back, please. Yeah. Um, do, do you care to comment on what you put in the, um, the slack in regards to this, this, tweet about uber no not really that was mainly for you oh i don't really i don't really get it seriously yeah i don't i don't get it just think about it hmm okay what's it a picture of it's a picture of an extension cord no it's not uh or or of a um surge protector Mm Hmm. oh i get it now (laughs) there you go so that for the, I mean, this plays really well over audio, but for the folks at home, this is a tweet where the caption is handed this to my Uber driver, but still got charged three X. And it's a picture of a surge protector. It took him. Uh, well, I was thinking for some reason I was thinking of that as an extension cord, but <laughs> okay. That's clever. Yep. Okay. What's, uh, what's next? Uh, I did the first two. You go for it. So we've got, uh, okay. So we've, we've got this Apple event tomorrow. Um, and we, we talked pretty extensively, I think, last week about what we're expecting to see. Um, I guess the only thing to add before I me mean, the event is tomorrow morning. So by the time this comes out, the event will have already occurred. So today, this is the day before, Wednesday, October 15th, there was a uh, bit of a leak. So Apple's been, start, I guess starting with the iPhone 6, they've been putting out these like user guides and iBooks where 
you can download this iBook and it gives you a whole sort of walkthrough of these, of, of in the case of the iPhone 6, of the phone, and of iOS 8 in general. Well, apparently some update to those documents or books came out, which included uh, what they're announcing tomorrow, which is the iPad Mini 3 and the iPad Air 2. Um, they're exactly what we think or thought they were going to be, virtually the same devices that we have today, just with Touch ID. Um, I guess the only thing that really is now finalized that you we wouldn't know before is what the names would be. But again, we're looking at iPad Mini 3 and iPad Air 2. So I guess that's I guess that's what we're gonna see tomorrow. Those are terrible names, are they not? They're awful names. I think I think Apple's in a weird spot with the names of their product lines. Like I think Do they even need names? Or I mean sorry, do they even need like numbers on them? Because uh, with iPods, because they ran into the same issue is they would usually just say iPod 2014 edition or um, like they would just do by like generations. But like, uh, like iPad mini three has like, is, is a horribly awkward name. Well, yeah. And it, it, it's, there's been a trend for a long time. I'm thinking of things like MacBook pro retina or I'm probably Mac, MacBook pro with retina display. That was the it's official really just, name, it's, but it's really just a MacBook Pro. It's when it's during that short period where they had both available for sale that they had to distinguish it somehow. Like I, I know we all thought it was weird when the iPad three was called the all new iPad or whatever, but I don't know. They're they're, they're having that's trouble. right. Yeah, I, I'd forgotten about that. There was like, like the whole iPod, new iPhone iPad 6, thing. An iPhone six plus, I think, is a terrible name. I th- that's right. The iPhone six plus is not a great name. I think it's a terrible product to be honest, but no, I think it's, it's a, it's a worse name. I also think, just think numbers in general are, I mean, what, what are we going to end up with the iPhone 12? Well, I think for the phone, they have to, because since Apple concurrently sells the prior generations, I don't think they can all just be called iPhone. Well, okay, that's true. The iPhone's a little bit different, but but iPads and Macs are totally different. So what's weird about what's weird about the iPad Mini three is that there was no iPad Mini two. They never <laughs> called. They never called it that. Exactly. Like right. again, I I have an HTC phone that I thought had the worst name of any product ever released, which is the HTC One Two Mini. But this is basically <laughs> the same thing. You know, though we we were talking about this, I think when the six plus was announced a, a few weeks ago. At the end of the day, na- names don't really matter. No, they don't. Because because if we want to go, if we go and we'll go in that direction, it doesn't create a need for a tablet for most people anyway. <laughs> Just got to get your little iPad dig in. Well, no. What, what I'm saying is that tablet sales have been declining quarter over quarter, and based on the leaked user guides that we saw, there's not really much that's changing about them. That kind of drives any anybody like to go buy one if they haven't already and the gains to be made in performance aren't really that dramatic which means the upgrade cycles are gonna be longer so i I just don't get it or i mean i not that the i'm not that i'm saying people shouldn't own them but it's it's a tough sell because everybody has one that wants one so, Carlos, as you know, I I bought your original iPhone, and this was after the iPhone 3G came out. You bought the iPhone 3G, and then I bought your original iPhone. 
And then from there, from the original iPhone, a year later, I upgraded to the iPhone 3GS. And from that point forward, I upgraded my iPhone every single year, all the way up through most recently the iPhone 6. And then the iPads are similar, where I actually didn't own an original iPad, but I did buy an iPad 2. Then I upgraded to the iPad Retina when it came out. And then I upgraded to the iPad Air when it came out. So I think this is going to be the first update with either the iPhone or the iPad that I'm not going to upgrade to. So wait, you did you owned an iPad 3 and an iPad 4? Well, well that that, that, that doesn't that I, to me that doesn't count. That was just going from the 30 pin connector to the lightning connector. Well, no. Nothing they, really they, changed. They improved uh, they improved uh the processor a little bit. Uh, I mean, okay. If, I guess if you're splitting hairs, that well, fine. I think I that's what that. I think that's what this generation's update is. It's a slightly improved processor, and it's got Touch ID, which I think is a little less important on a tablet. Yeah. Like again, I've been living without a tablet for like nine months now, and I I feel nothing. I I could for this product. I guess yeah. The simple way to put it is, I feel like I could get rid of my iPad tomorrow and not be much worse for the wear. But if I got rid of my iPhone, that would be a big deal. If if I leave my iPhone at home, I turn around and go home again. Right. I can't function throughout the day. Right. So. I, I still, I, I keep wanting to say there's going to be more to these devices than just adding Touch ID, but I mean, what, I, I. What are they going to add? Yeah. And I guess, I guess, I mean, Apple with the iPhone has a pretty long history of kind of having the, the the TikTok thing, right? Where you do the big upgrade, then a year later you slightly improve upon your last year's model, and then maybe the following year you do another big upgrade. So I guess we're just kind of in the middle of one of those cycles. I'll actually tell you I'll tell you the the thing that I've noticed since now having the iPhone 6, not having touch ID, like I'll catch myself trying to do the touch ID thing on my iPad every now and then, but I don't actually run into that too often. The thing that I'm having trouble with now is I'm consistently clicking one of the volume buttons on the side of the iPad to try to turn off the screen since that's where the button is on the new iPhone. Can't tell you how many times I've done that since I've gotten the iPhone 6. Sure. These and uh, these renders of the devices we're going to see tomorrow don't indicate where the uh, power button is so it's still gonna be at the top yeah probably which okay was isn't even less of a reason for me to upgrade they put the power button on the side you know i'm I'm kidding i don't think you are no i'm i'm really not i'm if if these devices are just faster processors and touch id I, i'm not i'm not interested It's fine, not for me. Maybe for somebody else. I am going to be curious to see what this this iMac with Retina display looks like. I'm not going to buy one, but I I would like to go into an Apple store and just see what the screen looks like. That's got to be pretty killer. So I'm going to ask. So at that point, do you think? So if they release a display like that, do they also release at the same time a standalone Thunderbolt display? No. Why? Because it hasn't been leaked yet. You know, you know my stance on this. No, but what I'm saying is why, like, that seems like madness. I don't know why, why? but... Because people have been clamoring for a 4K or, or whatever a higher resolution display 
to adorn on their like $7,000 Mac Pro. It Yeah, it's, it's hard to say how many computers they've actually sold that would support a 4K display. It really would just be limited to the most recent version of the Mac Pro. Like I'm I'm not even sure my Mac Mini could power a 4K display. No, it can't. But I assume uh, the Retina MacBook Pro with uh, that has the dual thunder, uh, Thunderbolt on it can. I think I think this is a good first step. Like I, I think Apple obviously wants to bring Retina displays to their desktops and and laptops when they already have by and large with their laptops, but now. They want to do it with the desktops, and I think it just makes the most sense in the iMac because they have control over the entire, you know, hardware stack, as you say. So they well, don't re- not not exactly. Well, actually, for most of it, they don't. Well, what do you mean? They don't control the processors, the RAM. Well, but but I'm saying that they control what's inside of the computer. Whereas if you just release a 4K cinema display, and you're having to you know, tell folks, okay, yeah, your computer supports it, your computer doesn't. I, th- I think it's just it's cleaner to come out with a Retina display first in an iMac, where obviously you know it's going to work right out of the box. And how much of a premium do you think it's going to put on the price? Because I assume making a high quality display, because iMacs are usually twenty four to twenty seven inches, right? Yeah, I would, I would, yeah, I would think there's got to be there's got to be at least a, I'd say three to five hundred dollar premium. Yeah, we shall see. You you put uh, you put the the water on the coals for my uh, Retina MacBook Air. So yeah, it's not. It was confirmed a couple days ago by the folks at Recode that is not going to happen tomorrow. It is in the works, and it, my guess, my hunch is we're going to see it sometime next year. Um, but it, it's not not going to be tomorrow. <laughs> You said that the exact way uh, Gene Munster predicts the Apple TV every year. Uh, well, except I did it in the opposite way, where I admitted that it's it's not coming out this year. Whereas if I if no, I were no, no, you said sometime next year. <laughs> oh well, okay, that's what he says. Every, he's well, like, but Gene, oh, but Gene Munster would deadlines. Be... It's getting pushed back. It's coming out sometime next year. Our sources say. Yeah, but Gene Munster. I mean, given that we're only in October, he'd probably still be saying it's coming out this year. No, nobody's releasing anything <laughs> past like. Well, Gene, Gene might Gene might assert that uh, it would. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm. I guess in general, I'm just kind of just kind of bummed out about this event tomorrow. I guess the thing that I'm actually most looking forward to is win- getting a date on iOS 8.1 where we can try out Apple Pay this weekend. Yeah, maybe. Oh, I guess you know I'm all I'm also excited about uh, Yosemite. No, seriously, this weekend. They don't. They have. They don't. They haven't historically released point major point updates to iOS over a weekend, have they? I think it's on Friday because uh, was it? There was some leaked uh, Walgreens memo of them saying get prepared for it launching this weekend. Okay, it's Friday. Yeah, Friday can make sense. Okay, cool. You think we'll see Yosemite on Friday too? Probably. Actually, no. Let's talk about that. So. On the invite uh, to the announcement, what does it say? Like it's been so long or something? It's been too long. So what exa- like so since these are what seem to be extremely minor upgrades to a declining product, meaning the iPad, what what is all what is the other stuff they're alluding to? We, I think we because a, a, yeah. a one iMac upgrade is not really 
worthy of that title. We we speculated on this a little bit last week. I, I think what that's alluding to is the fact that it's been it's been too long since they've brought Retina screens to something other than the MacBooks and uh, iPhones and iPads. I'm not sure it is. I, I I think that's what it is. I mean, are, are you are you still are you still ho- holding out hope? There's going to be some other thing they talk about tomorrow that hasn't been leaked yet. I mean, I hate not, to get I hate to get your hopes up, but it's not happening. No, not really. I just don't think that's worthy of that title. Like, I would assume something else would have to happen. Eh, I mean, I, Apple Apple likes to come up with creative little subtitles like that. I I. I think it's I think it's easy to read too much into that. Yeah. So actually, I think Yosemite probably would be coming out, right? Maybe because there has to be more than just a single iMac. Yeah, maybe I don't like that's a that's a super boring bland event. Like both of these could have just been like you know we do no event and we just update the website and say oh there's a minorly improved tablet. No, I I hate to burst your bubble, man, but that's exactly what it's going to be. And the new OS is coming out. Well, yeah, I mean, sure, but that's that's going to be it, I think. Okay. I'm, I am. I say I was look. I am looking forward to Yosemite, though. I think um, going to make Are some. You? Yeah, going to make some changes with the Mac Mini setup when that comes out. Been kind of waiting for it to come out before making some of these changes. But it's going to break everything. <sighs> yeah, probably. Because unfortunately, uh, like for for better or worse, like mo- most uh, new OS X releases often break more compatibility than they actually add any compelling features at this point. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I miss Mountain Lion or which one? Snow Leopard, which is the one that where they fixed all the bugs. I think you're thinking of Tiger. No, that was the first genuinely good release of OS X. I just I just named a random cat name. Ten point four was a good one. But no, it was the one that was 10.6. No. Snow Leopard. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> Snow Leopard, yeah. That was a good one. They were like, you know what? We're, we're just going to, we're, we're not going to do any new features. We're just going to refine all the half broken stuff that's already in here. And it was a fantastic release. Hmm. You're not a true Mac fan. I'm, I'm, I'm late to the game. But the, anyway, the reason I'm excited with the the semi stuff, like I said, is because I think I'm going to kind of rethink some of the the setup stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna get rid of the um what what's what's the thing I have called where I, I set up the the hype the SSD and it's connected with the standard drive, the hybrid drive. Yeah, what what, what does Apple call that? Hybrid Fu- drive. Fusion drive. Oh yeah. Um, the fusion drive doesn't work that great, and I I've done some research into this and. Folks like Marco Arment have commented on this too that the performance is actually not very good. Is and it worse than just using a spinning drive? No, but it's not much better. And you're like you're just you're really not taking advantage of your SSD. So I when, before I install Yosemite, I'm going to break the Fusion drive and just have the SSD be its own thing. And what size SSD do you have? Well, I, I whatever whichever one I bought from you, I think it's wasn't that like only 64 gigs? No, it's it's like 256. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah, it's it two fifty six. That course, oh, the Corsair why, why one. I, you know, well, I, I think this was in the private beta period. But with my Mac Mini, I, I went through the whole process where, in addition to buying the the Mac Mini, I went on to iFixit and bought the kit, which allows you to install a second hard drive on your own into the Mac Mini because Mac Minis actually out of the box do come 
with an option of getting two hard drives, or in the case of the latest model, they had the option of coming with an Apple-created Fusion drive, but the nerd part of me wanted to do that myself. So I most of it was really just to open the Mac Mini and kind of go through that whole process. Uh, and it, just to kind of educate myself on how to set up a Fusion drive on my own, too. Well, that's cool. Taking apart a Mac Mini is pretty neat. You literally have to... I have pictures of this. I well, don't no, know if I ever have, sent them to you. It's but, because you have the cool one. I have the one that's a gigantic pain in the ass and you need like four different prying tools. But you have the one that you just kind of like to screw off the bottom, right? Eh, no, you, you still need prying tools and stuff with this latest one. It's it's um, it's um pretty intense taking apart. you And you actually have to take every single piece of it out to get to the spot where you install a second hard drive. I, I, I have a picture of this. I think I sent it to you at the time where... Wait, maybe maybe you have the old crappy one like I do. No, I, I have the the latest one they've come out with. The one that's a lot that's a lot narrower, but a little bit wider. Yeah. Hmm. I thought that one they made super easy, or maybe yeah. it's just for RAM. It's just for RAM. When you you you're right. The first step is to just screw off the bottom. You don't even need any tools for it. But the only thing that's accessible by doing that is the RAM. Gotcha. The hard drive is actually when you have it upside down like that. It's at the complete opposite end. <laughs> and so I, I I was saying I have this picture where. Every single part of the Mac Mini is spread across my desk, and I just have the empty case. And somehow you put it back together again. If may I tell you, putting it back together was—I'm actually still surprised my Bluetooth chip and it works. <laughs> oh, because the antennas are in like all this. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, the antennas um, after the RAM are actually like once you take the RAM out, the they're, they're kind of the the Wi-Fi antenna and the Bluetooth antenna or like the next little thing that's visible and getting those back into their proper spots was pretty tough. <laughs> I thought I thought for sure I would put it all back together and my Bluetooth wouldn't work, which on my Mac Mini is not the end of the world, but I'm here I am I'm using the Apple Bluetooth keyboard and it's working just fine. So very nice. Magic trackpad or you probably have some like Razer gaming mouse or something. I have a Logitech gaming mouse for my Windows desktop, but for my uh, Mac, I just have the trusty old Logitech M510, which is just a basic little wireless mouse. Gotcha. I don't like the Magic Trackpad. Have you had one? I have not personally had one, but I've used some pretty extensively. Hmm. And again, um, not the Magic Mouse, the big trackpad. Yeah, 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 the Magic Trackpad. Hmm. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of trackpads. In general, I with my laptop, no. even with no, my no, but the but the Mac laptop, you don't 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 bring the ThinkPad into this. No, I was never never a huge fan of it when I had my Mac Pro, my MacBook Pro either. Interesting. I using using a trackpad of any kind for me is an absolute last resort. If at all possible, I would always prefer a wireless mouse, including including IBM pointer nub. Oh, that, those are the worst. Those are the best. No, oh my. My Carbon X1 has one of those, and yeah. I wish there was a way I could just take it out. It's the worst. It's terrible. Hater. You're, you and everybody else who enjoys using those, and I, I know quite a few other people who do. You, They're you're, great you're, you're, all, tools. you're all crazy people. No, we're not. You're absolute crazy people. Mm. Anyway. Um, so what else you got? So you, you put in the Slack here a uh, little RIP to Macworld Expo. Oh yeah. So this is an event that I never went to. You have, so you you must feel a bit more of a personal attachment to this. I do. 
And I didn't go last year just because I don't know. They they moved venues and it didn't really seem I don't know. It just I was kind of over it. And apparently, uh, I was what killed the expo. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm I'm kidding, but um, yeah. Apparently, it's dead. So Apple pulled out. I think in 2008. Was it? Man, was it that long ago? Yeah, I think like the I think the iPhone introduction was the last major Apple um anchored event. And then IDG, the company that puts on the expo, which is not the same company as uh Macworld magazine, which also doesn't exist anymore as of like two months ago. Um continued to do it and they still had some big sponsors insofar as they had um HP and um a couple actually I, the only big one I remember is HP, but there were a few other companies that still kept it going. But that that's really about it. And then it was just a lot of smaller sellers, and it was a fun place to kind of meet a lot of cool people and go to good panel discussions and tech talks and stuff. But it kind of just kept on the decline, and apparently it's just no more. It's been a trend not only with Apple but with other companies too. There's on the gaming side, I mean, I know this is not the area that you're as, as plugged into, as you would say, but there's been a big push towards getting away from these bigger kind of industry-wide conferences, like in the case of video games, it's E3, where publishers, developers, just companies in general have found a lot more value in having their own standalone events, which, of course, they can control, they can be the center of attention with, and they can probably, most importantly, control the timing of. And so I think that's something that we'll continue to see more and more of, not just with like what we've seen with Apple, but almost in all areas where these massive industry-wide shows are going to be slowly replaced by these more individualized shows from companies, just because it's so easy to get that attention and get content out on your own now with you know youtube and the thousands of other things we have online as opposed to relying on some you know, industry-wide event yeah but i don't know macworld is different i don't know well because you again you have more of a personal attachment to macworld well that's what that's what i mean because nobody went to macworld or at least not in the later years for to to see the new stuff that apple was making it was more about just like just again like good conversations and just meeting people i don't know because in Apple, when they pulled out, their big reasoning was, we have the equivalent of a Max a Macworld Expo every week with all the customers that walk into our stores. Which I I don't know, it's just not the same. But yeah, it's fine. And also, Apple didn't like making, like having a conference dictate when they were going to release something big because people always expected them to do whatever their biggest product for the year was at that show. Indeed. So, yeah, disappointing. Well, I think uh, I think that's about it. Uh, I think you're missing the the last big topic. Did I did I bury the lead? Yeah. Oh, I did. We yeah. even mentioned this at the top. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the uh, the San Francisco baseball Giants have just one more game to win before they go to the World Series against uh, some other team. I don't know. You know, I you're 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 a unique fan where. You oui. you come across as being as confident without ever sounding arrogant. I've noticed. No, I've noticed about you. 
It's because the the Giants, I don't know, they're, they're a team that knows that they're not perfect, but they bust their ass and they try really hard. Yeah, the, the what's the... And they don't, they don't have any bad personalities on the team. Like, Hunter Pence is the most down-to-earth and, like, just hard-working baseball player. Buster Posey's quietly confident. I don't know. They're just a fantastic team. I, lo- I, I love that picture that you retweeted of Buster Posey. That was yeah, like, no, he's the he, greatest again, thing. He's he's just awesome. Yeah, he he's pretty great. And like in like Sergio Romo, he's he's playfully confident. It's just there's no big egos or like like jerky players. And like that's some that's a big problem that the Dodgers have and that the Yankees had when they were good. I don't know. Well, I mean, in, in all fairness, the Giants do have like I think the fifth or sixth biggest payroll in baseball, so it's not it's not and we're, like and we're more and we're more effective with it. Yeah, it's, and I mean, we managed to be to be like undouched. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's not like they're getting by with a bunch of scrubs. No, no. Well, but we do we do we do well with what we have. Uh, yeah. But what was the stat tonight that of the last twenty two runs that have scored, there have only been like. 12 hits mm-hmm. on those mm-hmm. scoring plays. And again, I don't always like winning when it's just because the other person's losing, but we were scrappy when we need to be. We capitalize on errors. Well, yesterday's game, obviously, they they did win on an error. But, you know, tonight's game, there I think there weren't errors. They were just snap bad fielding choices, but I mean, that, that happens. Baseball's full of stuff like that. Every it sport's does, full of stuff like that. It is, but the Giants just do really, really well when that happens. They capitalize when other teams make mistakes. Exactly, which any good team does. They were saying on the broadcast after the game today that one of the, the Dodgers front office people, forget if it was like their GM or their president or something, had said about the Giants that, you know, they're, they're so ruthless that they'll take your lunch money. Basically, just basically just indicating that any little mistake or weakness you show, they're they're gonna just totally go after everything. You're darn you've right, got. well. <sighs> and you know, on the other side of the the bracket, as you would say, with the American League side, pretty crazy run by the Royals. So who's who's the exceptionally fast guy? There's one guy who they got a couple. He's extremely impressive. They've got a couple of them. I'm trying to uh, think of the name of of the of the really really good one, but yeah, they they've got a they've got a few guys. Um, but it, remarkable, they haven't been in the World Series since 1985, and they've now won eight straight playoff games. So they're the first team in baseball history to win the first eight games of their postseason. Yeah, Lorenzo Cain. Kane is one of the fast ones. He's yeah, he's very, very good. He's very impressive. Yeah. Um. So yeah, swept him, and it's it's gonna be a good series. I would definitely. We want to win this at home. This kid, this can't. You don't want to go back to St. Louis. No. And I would, I mean, even though just statistically, I mean, it's it's even if we had to, we'd probably still win. But well, you want to do it at home. Well, what's really interesting about this scenario too is that the the script is exactly flipped from two years ago, where the Giants were down one to three in that series. They were in St. Louis. St. Louis could have finished it at home, and instead, the Giants won Game Five, put the series back in San Francisco, and then they won the last two. Yep. 
So the importance of tomorrow's game, I think, is not lost on the Giants. Buster Posey actually mentioned that after the game, too. Mm-hmm. And again, humble, committed player. I would definitely like to, if the Giants were to advance into the World Series, I like the idea of them exacting some revenge on the Royals who you know knocked out my Angels. I think everybody's already forgotten that the Angels are a, are a team. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to get that money back from Trout. You know, they were showing a clip on the a broadcast. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday because John Lackey was pitching for the Cardinals. And he was one of the pitchers during the Angels World Series run in 2002. They were showing clips from the 2002 World Series when the Angels and Giants were playing each other. Mm-hmm. It's so weird that footage from 2002 looks ancient now. No, it looks like from the, it's from the 80s. <laughs> it, it's all it, four by three. Yeah. Just fuzzy. It was wild. Because I, I don't know, just it was weird because I so vividly remember watching that series live. And it's just, it's just so strange to look back on it now and have it look so old. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's tough to think that was 12 years ago. Ugh, yeah. Ugh, mortality. Indeed. Want to wrap it up? Yeah, it's a great, great note to wrap it up on, I think. Yes, sir.